Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Episode 295 of the Read to Lead podcast is proudly brought to you by cloud accounting software FreshBooks, making available to you right now a free 30-day trial. Get access to all of FreshBooks features when you visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Hey everyone, it's Mike Michalowicz here, author of Profit First. Now speaking of first, when it comes to podcasts, there is one, and I mean one on my list, and it's the Read to Lead podcast with my buddy, Jeff Brown. Hey there, thanks for being here. This is the Read to Lead podcast, and it is the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I'm your host, Jeff Brown, and I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business and in your life, then intentional and consistent reading is an absolute must. I started this podcast to help you narrow this ever-important reading list and help bring you the key insights and main ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. Now, in today's case, an interview with the author may not have been in the cards, but I have recently read a book that I think needs to be at the top of your Christmas wish list. It's a book that I think every business owner, every employee should read right now. And that book is written by a guy named Simon Sinek, author of Start With Why and Leaders Eat Last. We actually talked with Simon about Leaders Eat Last. His brand new book is called The Infinite Game. Today, I will present to you a summary of this fantastic book, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. First, if you'll permit me a word about our sponsor, which today is FreshBooks Cloud Accounting Software. They've been sponsoring the podcast off and on for right at about three years. They believe in the Read to Lead podcast. And that alone, I believe, is reason you should support them. And one of the ways you can show your support for them and for this podcast by extension is giving their product their service a try. They've made it easy for you to do that. In fact, you can try FreshBooks Cloud Accounting Software free for 30 days and get access to all of their features. Take it for a test drive. See if you like it just by going to freshbooks.com slash read to lead. I started using FreshBooks myself back in, I think it was September of 2009. So I've been a customer for over a decade and have never once thought to moving to another solution. I've never needed to. Again, if you'd like to give FreshBooks a try, kick the tire, see if it works for you, simply go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and be sure and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. One more time, that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Now, in The Infinite Game, Simon argues that our entire understanding of commerce and capitalism seems to have fallen under the sway of short-term finite-minded thinking. Now, examples of this include mass layoffs to meet arbitrary projections, cutthroat work environments, subservience to the shareholder over the needs of employees and customers, dishonest and unethical business practices, rewarding high-performing toxic team members while turning a blind eye to the damage they're doing to the rest of the team, and rewarding leaders who seem to care more about themselves than those in their charge. If any of these feels familiar, then keep listening. Many of us recognize the state of things, but it seems the market's desire to maintain the status quo is more powerful than the momentum to change it. It is well within our power, Cynic says, to build a world in which the vast majority of us wake up every single morning inspired, feel safe at work, 
and return home fulfilled at the end of the day. It's not a pipe dream, or it doesn't have to be. He wrote this book, he says, not to convert those who currently defend the status quo, but to rally those who are ready to change that status quo and replace it with a reality that is vastly more conducive to our deep-seated human need to feel safe, to contribute to something bigger than ourselves, and to provide for ourselves and our families. This requires that you learn what it means to lead in the infinite game. Now, let's talk about finite and infinite games. If there are at least two players, a game exists, and there are two kinds of games, finite games and infinite games. A great example is, say, a sport like football. The players all wear uniforms, are easily identifiable. There's a set of rules, and referees are there to enforce those rules. All the players have agreed to play by those rules, and they accept penalties when they break the rules. Everyone agrees that whichever team has scored the most points by the end of the set time period is declared the winner, the game ends, and everybody goes home. In finite games, there is always a beginning, a middle, and an end. Infinite games are played by known and unknown players. There's no exact or agreed-upon rules, and though there may be conventions or laws that govern how the players conduct themselves, within those broad boundaries, the players can operate however they want. The manner in which each player chooses to play is entirely up to them, and they can change how they play the game at any time for any reason. Infinite games have infinite time horizons, and because there's no finish line, no practical end to the game, there's no such thing as winning an infinite game. In an infinite game, the primary objective is to keep playing, to perpetuate the game. Now, there are infinite games all around us, games with no finish lines and no winners. There's no such thing as coming first in marriage or friendship, for example. School may be finite, but there's no such thing as winning education. We can beat out other candidates for a job or promotion, but no one is ever crowned the winner of careers. No matter how much we succeed in life, None of us will be declared the winner of life, and there's certainly no such thing as winning business. All of these things are journeys, not events, and that's the key. Now, you wouldn't know that if you listen to the language of so many leaders today. It's as if they don't know the game they're playing in. They talk about winning. They obsess about beating the competition. They announce to the world that they are the best. Their vision is to be number one. Simon's assertion, though, is in games without finish lines, all of these things are impossible. To one company, being number one may be based on the number of customers they serve. To another, it could be about revenues, stock performance, the number of employees, or the number of offices they have around the world. The companies themselves get to decide the timeframes in which they're making their calculations. A quarter, eight months, a year, five years, a dozen. But did everyone in the same industry agree on the same timeframes for comparison? That is the epitome of finite thinking in an infinite context. In finite games, the game ends when its time is up and the players live on to play another day. In an infinite game, it's the opposite. It's the game that lives on and the players whose time runs out. I'm reminded of my time in radio and the finite thinking we often adopted. It was about being number one. It was all about beating the competition. How might it have been different if we'd adopted an infinite mindset? Well, simply put, in the infinite game of business, we have to stop thinking about who wins or who's the best and start thinking about how to build organizations that are strong enough and healthy enough to stay in the game for many generations to come. One of my favorite stories from the book is when Simon shares about speaking at an education summit for Microsoft and later at an education summit for Apple. At the Microsoft event, the majority of the presenters devoted a good portion of their presentations to talking about how they were going to beat Apple. At the Apple event, 
100% of the presenters spent 100% of their time talking about how Apple was trying to help teachers teach and help students learn. One group seemed obsessed with beating the competition, a finite mindset. The other group seemed obsessed with advancing a cause. In the infinite game, the true value of an organization cannot be measured by the success it has achieved based on a set of arbitrary metrics over arbitrary timeframes. The true value of an organization is measured by the desire others have to contribute to that organization's ability to keep succeeding, not just during the time they are there, but well beyond their own tenure. Think about it. Over the past 30 or 40 years, finite-minded leadership has become the modern standard in business. It's embraced by Wall Street and taught in business schools. At the same time, the lifespan of companies appears to be getting shorter and shorter, as much as 40 years by some estimates. Are there multiple factors? Sure. But too many leaders today, Simon says, are building companies that are simply not made to last. Infinite-mindedness is about building an organization that can survive its leaders. Simon says there are three factors we must always consider when deciding how we want to lead. Number one, we don't get to choose whether a particular game is finite or infinite. We do get to choose whether or not we want to join the game. And number three, should we choose to join the game, we can choose whether we want to play with a finite or infinite mindset. The choice to lead with an infinite mindset is less like preparing for a football game and more like the decision to get into shape. There's no one thing we can do in order to get into shape. We can't just go to the gym for nine hours, work really hard and be in shape. But we can go every day for, say, 20 minutes, and we will definitely get into shape. Consistency becomes more important than intensity. We can have fitness goals, but it's the lifestyle we adopt that matters more than whether or not we hit our goal or the arbitrary dates that we set. So how do we adopt an infinite mindset? According to Simon, we must follow these five essential practices. Number one, advance, adjust, cause. Number two, build trusting teams. Number three, study our worthy rivals. Number four, prepare for existential flexibility. And number five, demonstrate the courage to lead. Now we'll spend the rest of our time breaking down each of these five. Now we can choose to do some of these, but to fully equip an organization for a long and healthy life in the infinite game, we must do them all. Let's start with adjust cause. A just cause is a specific vision of a future state that does not yet exist. A future state so appealing that people are willing to make sacrifices in order to help advance toward that vision. Winning provides a temporary thrill of victory, an intense but fleeting boost of self-confidence. But when there is a just cause, a reason to come to work that is bigger than any particular win, our days take on more meaning and feel more fulfilling. Now, it's important not to confuse a just cause with your why. Your why comes from the past. It's your origin story. It's a statement of who you are, the sum total of your values and beliefs. But a just cause is about the future. It defines where you're going. It describes the world you hope to live in and will commit to help build. Now, we all have our own why, and we can know what that why is if we choose to uncover it. But we do not have to have our own just cause. We can choose to join someone else's. And unlike a why, of which there can be only one, we can work to advance more than one just cause. Now think about when the founding fathers of the United States declared independence from Great Britain, for example. They knew that such a radical act would require a statement of just 
cause. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The vision they set forth was not simply one of a nation defined by borders, but an ideal future state defined by principles of liberty and equality for all. And on July 4th, 1776, the 56 men who signed on to that vision agreed to, quote, mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. This was how much it mattered to them. They were willing to give up their own finite lives and interests to carry forward the infinite idea and ideals of a new nation. Their sacrifice, in turn, inspired subsequent generations to embrace the same cause and devote their own blood, sweat, and tears to continue to advance it. We know a cause is just when we commit to it with the confidence that others will carry on our legacy. A just cause must be for something, affirmative and optimistic in other words, inclusive, open to all those who would like to contribute, service-oriented for the primary benefit of others, resilient, able to endure political, technological, and cultural change, and idealistic, big, bold, and ultimately unachievable. A just cause is something we stand for and believe in, not something we oppose. Being against something is about vilifying, demonizing, or rejecting. Being for is about inviting all to join a common cause. America's just cause, as expressed by the Founding Fathers, has yet to be realized, and for all practical purposes, it never will be. But we will die trying, and that's the point. This is what the idealized journey of a just cause feels like. No matter how much we've achieved, we always feel like we have further to go. Number two, building trusting teams. Now, there's a difference, no doubt, between a group of people who work together and a group of people who trust each other. In order for trust To develop, we have to feel safe expressing ourselves first. We have to feel safe being vulnerable. We need to feel safe to raise our hands and admit we made a mistake. Be honest about shortfalls in performance. Take responsibility for our behavior and ask for help. Author Brene Brown says, Trust is the stacking and layering of small moments and reciprocal vulnerability over time. Trust and vulnerability grow together and to betray one is to destroy both. Nothing and no one can perform at 100% forever. If we can't be honest with each other and rely on one another for help during the challenging parts of our journey, we're not going to get very far. But according to Simon, it's not enough for leaders to simply create an environment that is safe for telling the truth. We have to model the behavior we want to see, actively incentivize the kinds of behaviors that build trust, and give people reasonable freedom and the support they need to flourish in their jobs. It's the combination of what we value and how we act that sets the culture of the company. All right, number three, worthy rivals. To anyone who has spent time watching or playing games in sports, the notion of a finite competition where one player or one side beats the other to earn a title or prize is familiar. Indeed, to most of us, it's so ingrained in the way we think that we automatically adopt an us-against-them attitude whenever there are players in the field, regardless of the nature of the game. If we're playing in an infinite game, though, we have to stop thinking of the other players as competitors to be beaten and start thinking of them as worthy rivals who can help us become better players. We get to choose our own worthy rivals, Simon says, and we would be wise to select them strategically. It makes sense, right? There's no value in picking other players that we consistently outflank simply to make ourselves feel better. 
We choose them to be our worthy rivals because there's something about them that reveals to us our weaknesses and pushes us to constantly improve, which is essential if we want to be strong enough to stay in the game. Now, before you think Simon is splitting hairs, check out this passage, one of my favorite from the book. The impact of this subtle mind shift can be profound in how we make decisions and prioritize resources. Traditional competition forces us to take on an attitude of winning. A worthy rival inspires us to take on an attitude of improvement. The former focuses our attention on the outcome. The latter focuses our attention on the process. He goes on to say, when we view the other players as worthy rivals, it removes the pressure of being in a win-at-any-cost struggle, and so by default, we feel less need to act unethically or illegally. Upholding the values by which we operate becomes more important than the score, which actually motivates us to be more honest. As you might have guessed, an infinite mindset embraces abundance, whereas a finite mindset operates with a scarcity mentality. Worthy rivals can help us get better at what we do, and they can help us get clear on why we do it. And by the way, don't confuse losing your worthy rival with winning the game. I mentioned that there are five essential practices leaders must follow in order to adopt an infinite mindset. The fourth is existential flexibility. It's the capacity to initiate an extreme disruption to a business model or strategic course in order to more effectively advance a just cause. A finite-minded player fears things that are new or disruptive. The infinite-minded player revels in them. In other words, when an infinite-minded leader with a clear sense of cause looks to the future and sees that the path they're on will significantly restrict their ability to advance their just cause, they flex. Or if that leader discovers a new technology that's more likely to help them advance their cause going forward than a technology they are currently using, they flex. Without that sense of infinite vision, strategic shifts, even extreme ones, tend to be reactive or opportunistic. Existential flexibility, though, is always offensive. It's not to be confused with the defensive maneuvering many companies undergo to stay alive in the face of new technology or changing consumer habits. Many newspapers and magazines, for example, uprooted their business models when they went digital, not because they found a better way to advance their cause, but because they were forced to make the change in the face of a changing world. Though necessary to stay alive, that kind of change rarely inspires the people inside the organization or reignites their passions. An existential flex does. It was in this section of the book I learned something about Walt Disney I did not know. That at one point he actually sold his interest in Disney animation. He did that so he could build and launch Disneyland. He is quoted as saying, Disneyland will never be finished. It's something we can keep developing and adding to. The motion picture is different. Once it's wrapped up and sent out for processing, we're through with it. If there are things that could be improved, we can't do anything about them. I've always wanted to work on something alive, something that keeps growing. We've got that in Disneyland. He took a huge risk. He let go of something that was super successful to try something that was not proven. But this new thing, creating a theme park, would be something that would better allow him to realize his just cause. Again, the motivation for an infinite-minded player to flex is to advance the cause, even if it disrupts the existing business model. To the finite-minded player, the reason not to flex is expressly to protect the current business model, even if it undermines the cause. Think Kodak or Blockbuster. 
An infinite-minded leader with a just cause looks outside their industry and miles beyond the horizon to a place that requires imagination to see. And lastly, there's the courage to lead. Now here, there's probably no better example from recent history than CVS. You might remember that in 2014, they announced that they would stop selling tobacco-related products in all of their nearly 3,000 stores. Now, this decision would cost them $2 billion a year in lost revenue. There was no pressure for them to do this. There was no public demand for it, no scandal. And while it was met with overwhelming support by the general public, those finite-minded players on Wall Street, as you might imagine, were none too pleased. One consultant said that the 700 packs of cigarettes a week per store would now be sold by another retailer. But that's not what happened. Those 700 packs didn't go elsewhere. They went nowhere. The total sale of cigarettes actually went down. They dropped 1% in the states where CVS had a 15% or greater market share. In those states, the average smoker bought five fewer packs of cigarettes while the number of nicotine patches sold went up by 4%. The decision by CVS actually encouraged smokers to quit. Now, what about that lost revenue? Well, other companies that had previously chosen not to do business with CVS took notice. Several, including Irwin Naturals and New Chapter Vitamins and Supplements, available at Whole Foods and other specialty stores, agreed to allow CVS to carry their products too. Now, as predicted by Wall Street, CVS's stock did fall a total of 1% per share the day after the announcement. But a year and a half after the announcement, and about eight months after the plan was implemented, the stock hit a price more than double what it had been before the announcement. Adopting an infinite mindset in a world consumed by the finite can absolutely cost a leader their job. The pressure we all face today to maintain a finite mindset is overwhelming. Bowing to the pressure of the finite players around us is the easy an expedient choice. This is why it takes courage to adopt an infinite mindset. The stated cause of CVS is helping people to live healthier lives. Selling cigarettes just doesn't fit. If leaders of an organization go so far as to state a just cause or purpose for their organizations, then it's kind of necessary that they must actually believe in that cause. It takes no courage to keep a finite mindset. Now, few of us have the courage to move from a finite mindset to an infinite one alone. We need to find other people who share our sense of responsibility, our beliefs, and our desire to work together to do it. Courageous leaders are strong because they know they don't have all the answers and they don't have total control. When you as a leader exercise the courage to lead, your people start to reflect that same courage. To live our lives with an infinite mindset is to live a life of service. And that is my summary of Simon Sinek's The Infinite Game, a book I cannot recommend highly enough. If you're putting together your Christmas wish list, I encourage you to add this one to it. It's just a bit over 200 pages. Uh, I was able to finish it in, I think, about two and a half days. Again, it's called The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, the best-selling author of Start With Why, and Leaders Eat Last. If you'd like to hear my conversation with Simon about his book, Leaders Eat Last, check the show notes where I've got a link to that interview from several years ago. You can find the show notes at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 295 for episode 295. 
For questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, anything you want to share regarding the podcast or books, feel free to write me directly, Jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. Thank you once again to our sponsor, Cloud Accounting Software FreshBooks, to check out their free 30-day trial and get access to all of their features. No obligation. Visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. That'll do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcast. As always, until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. 